Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to The Sunday Social. My name is Lucy Moon and I host a podcast called The Sunday Social all about pop culture. It is a Sunday brunch podcast, so if you're listening on a Sunday morning please get yourself a cup of tea, curl up in bed, I'm here for it. As you might be able to tell, I sound slightly worse for wear. This is because I went to my boyfriend's dad's wedding last night. I'm still in Australia (laughs) and yeah, it was a load of fun, but I'm now packing up my Airbnb, getting ready to leave. And I thought before I pack my mic, let's record our little intro. So let me tell you about the Sunday Social episode this week. This week I spoke to Anna Gardner, otherwise known as the Anna Edit on the internet, all about like influencers, I was going to say Instagrammers there but I don't mean that, and whether an influencer can ever be truly authentic. I find this topic of conversation fascinating because it's my job, (laughs) I am an influencer by trade, I love doing it but I find that it's really interesting having brands getting involved with what you're doing and how you can maintain your credibility still despite the fact that there is um, a financial voice kind of in your other ear. I'm sorry if you can hear background noise (laughs) that is us packing up. So yeah it was a really really interesting conversation. I love Anna. Anna's incredible. Anna is one of the people who inspired me to make my channel as it is. We went to her Brighton home, I sat down, we had a little chat. I say a little chat, I don't mean that. We recorded for one hour and we talked for four hours. So we, we, we caught up. Anyway, I hope you really enjoyed this chat about influencers and authenticity. Hello, I'm here with Anna. If you don't know Anna, this is Anna Gardner. She is the Anna Edit That's on me. the internet. Would you like to introduce yourself? Because when I intro people... I often don't get everything or I get my perception of them in it as opposed to what they actually do. I think it's always really hard to do an intro, isn't it? Because you kind of, you feel like you know them already. I mean, we've been chatting now. We've known each other for quite a while and we've been chatting pre this podcast for like four, no. It's been, it's been three hours. Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny. I got here at like one. (laughs) I feel I know everything about your life. Um, I'm Anna. I have a blog called The Anna Edit. I have a YouTuber, YouTuber? I have a YouTube called The Anna Edit, and I've been doing them since 2010. So I'm like old wave grandma, like generation. How long has been blogging? She's been blogging longer than that, right? No, blogging, blogging since 2010. Okay. And then early 2010, and then I started my YouTube videos six months later. Wow, that's a really tight, um, tight introduction in a way to like the internet. Yeah. So like most people took a long time on one platform before they moved to the other. Oh, I was like, no, no, jumping in with both feet. And I remember on my first wow. day, I got 100 
views on my video and that I was, was like a lot guys I've made it I've made a video thanking everyone for for their 100 views it was that incredible so, funny. <laughs> so that was back in the day I studied psychology at uni I started my blog when I was at uni to procrastinate from revision mm-hmm. um, but I've always loved makeup I've always loved beauty um, my mum would work at the weekend and my dad would take me and my sister out and I would beg him to take me to Claire's Accessories and buy me <laughs> blue eyeshadow, glittery eyeshadow. I'm from like the Spice Girls generation, so my, I was super into My parents wouldn't that. let me in Claire's Accessories. It was, right, so we had two stores that were banned, Disney Store, Claire's Accessories. Oh my God, they were like my two favourite places to go on a Saturday. They were ours as well. I had, a, really had an Aristocats little like <gasps> locket. Yes, oh my God, I had an Aristocats key ring at one point <laughs> in time. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Hashtag memories. Yeah. Um, so I graduated um, after, you know, doing my psychology degree. I still had my blog, my YouTube channel, things were going all right. Um, I ended up doing PR jobs in beauty because I was like, I'm really enjoying this beauty thing. I want to kind of go into it in some way. I want this to be my job. Like, I love it. I want a job that I'm passionate about. So ended up doing some internships in that. And eventually one of the internships I did turned into a job, which is great. Um, so through that job, I ended up doing that for about a year and a half of like beauty editorial, bit of marketing, bit of like PR strategy, a bit of all those types of things. All this time, blog still going. That's like still a thing. Started to get event invites in the evening and have this oh my God. almost double life. I would travel up to London. I live in Brighton. And at that point I lived in Brighton as well. And I would get the train up to London. I'd write my blog post on the train oh. on the way there do my job for the day, go to events in the evening and then travel home and do like any tweets or answer emails, comments on the way back. That's honestly though, that's actually maybe the most efficient way I've ever heard someone explain how to do, and I'm saying this completely in inverted commas, a side hustle. Yeah. A lot of the time, you know, people will be like, oh yeah, and then in the evenings I worked on my side project. And I'm always like, how on earth did you do that? Because even when I was in uni, I have no idea how I kept up my YouTube. No idea. So, but when you're like, oh yeah, no, there was almost unintentional allocated time in traveling. Yeah. So my, I mean, it's like a one hour, one hour and a quarter, one hour and 20 minutes. So it's quite a decent chunk of time. So I, yeah, I tried to use it as wisely as I could. And by that point, I think in about 2013-ish, I said, I'm going to blog every day. That was my thing. I was blogging 10 times a week back in the day. (laughs) Oh, they were short, they were snappy, they were not of high quality at all. I must add that in. Was it more like an Instagram post than a. Yeah. Like an Instagram with a decent paragraph? Yeah, it was a paragraph, it was one photo, it was early days, but it really helped with growth, which was great. Um, I eventually ended up getting a job that would allow me to work part time because I thought, oh, this blog is kind of a thing. Like, this blogging YouTube channel, like, they're sort of becoming more of a thing than I ever thought they were. I was earning a little bit of AdSense from it, and I was like, oh, I wonder what would happen if I put a bit more time into it. Um, So I started working part-time for another company, which was great. We moved to London during that time. I moved in with my boyfriend at the time. Now my husband. That makes it sound like broken up. No, but it also (laughs) sounds so weird being like, oh yeah, the nostalgia of my boyfriend at the time, whereas it's like, now it's like, Mark and everyone yeah. on the internet knows him and you live with him at that time now your husband obviously. no one had a clue who he was and we um we moved to this really expensive but really tiny flat in London um and it was all going really well until my boss at this job said 
you need to work here full time or not at all. Oh God. <laughs> and I did not know what to do. We just moved to this really expensive flat. And I was like, you know what? I'm never going to have an opportunity like this again. Mark was yeah. very kind and was like, I will support us in whatever way we can. Um, and so I ended speak up... Speak of the devil. Yeah, speak <laughs> of the devil. He's, oh my God, he's home so early. It's a Friday. It's a Friday. Oh, he's going to get out That's earlier. That's why, yes. See, with me, with my boyfriend, I would not see him for another three hours on a Friday because he goes to the pub for drinks. Oh, see, we're going out for an Indian soon. Ah. So he's, yeah, he's preparing. Yeah. He's preparing for his Indian. He's probably like, hasn't eaten since like 12. Um, so... <laughs> Sorry, you asked for a very quick intro and I'm still no. blabbering on. Where have we got to in my life story? Um, so, moved to London. I ended up quitting. That's so exciting. I ended up saying to the guy, no, um, thanks but no thanks. Ended up leaving my job and just going full time on the blog. And that was November 2000 and... 13 maybe oh my god so I've done it full time now for five years over five years how weird is that it's crazy and it just it kind of went from like one to a hundred really quickly I didn't have any viral videos or anything like that but it was just there was such all of a sudden such a spotlight on bloggers and what we were doing and the audience just grew and grew I've been able to work with amazing brands I have incredible management um, I've just written a book. <laughs> I was going to say, how have you got the whole way through the intro and you haven't even been like, by the way, I've got a book yeah, coming out. By the way, I've got a book. You could pre-order it. Thank you very much. All about lifestyle. It's yes. a lifestyle-orientated book as well. So it kind of, as far as I'm aware, builds on everything that your socials are about and all of your content in general anyway. It's like a much like more detailed and yeah. different a hundred percent I think when I started my blog it's very much beauty it was all about new launches and lipsticks and drugstore and high-end and just absolutely everything to do with beauty and I've got older and I don't no longer you know be the first one to go to mac on a first Thursday of every month to get Mm. the new launch that's you know my tastes have changed things have changed I still Mm. love makeup I love skincare um but I also really like interiors I like food and I like fashion and style and Um, I love organisation, hence why the book An Edited Life, which is all about life organisation at work and at home and just across all aspects of your life, has been so enjoyable to do and something really different. So just starting my blog in my university bedroom all those years ago has turned into this massive thing that I just did not, never expected it to be what it is today at all. It's so cool. It's really cool, really weird, a wild ride. And when people say like, oh, so what's next? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I did not think we'd be here. So like, who the hell knows? It's very exciting. And I think the industry is just changing and evolving. And I mean, like podcasts are a thing now. Yeah, isn't it funny? I remember when we started ours, people were saying then like, oh, this is going to be, by ours, I mean, sorry, I should explain. Not this one. I have a podcast with two of my friends and we've had it for three years now and it's where we read a book about sex or gender and then discuss it. It's called Banging Book Club. It's very good. Not gonna lie, you got me out of such a sticky situation when I joined a book club and they made us read Lolita. <gasps> no way. And I went on I went on like Acast and I googled Lolita, like yeah. searched Lolita on it and your podcast came up and I was like, I know these girls. <laughs> <laughs> And also Hannah always reads the full book. Me and Lena are less, because Lena works in publishing. So she's a constant, like, I've got to absorb all these books all the time. And it's really stressful for her. I'm just shit at reading. (laughs) 
I cannot, for the life of me, unless I have time off, read. I can't juggle. My life is spinning plates and yeah. I can't spin them. Whereas you're like the organized queen. I am the most disorganized. My head is a sieve. My head no, is a sieve. No. Yeah. So this is something <laughs> Hannah genuinely said to me when, like, maybe like two years into knowing me. She was like, You give off the impression of being so organized, but now I know you. I know it's all a facade. <laughs> I would say you you were really so organized. disorganized. So disorganized. I I think it's more like I put a lot of effort into being more organized, but everything falls through the net. You've got a lot of, like you said, though, you've got a lot of plates going on, and I think I think everyone in our industry kind of has. Yeah, at this and point. I think as well, everyone's learning how to manage it. So, like, for some people, that involves getting an assistant. For some people, yeah. that involves bringing on editors and photographers. For some people, that involves bringing on management. Some people hire other people full-time to do everything. Yeah. You know, it really is like, um, you do have to have support in some way, and I didn't have any support until February. So, like, plates are spinning a bit easier now. Yeah, your life has changed. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, I thought today we'd talk a bit about this big Instagram, or not even Instagram, influencers and authenticity kind of debate. Yeah. Because it's big. I feel like this year has been a real big discussion of, like, our influencers being real, and it's kind of been compounded by this new ASA guideline spiel yeah. that's been coming out that even then is getting renegotiated I believe with advisors and things but they're kind of the ASA's final say has been published on how influencers should declare stuff and it basically says everything should be labeled as an ad yeah that when you're talking about a product or a free trip to a cinema or whatever and it's really interesting and I think it's really nuanced and it's important to talk to someone who's been in the industry on on a professional side of it for a long time and has seen the evolution of everything. Yeah. And worked with a lot of people and also, I think, presents really authentically online. Thanks, Lucy. <gasps> God, welcome. I'm so flattered. What a, what a little intro. Thank you. I think mm. the ASA guidelines that have most recently been published make for very interesting reading. And... <laughs> It's, it's a really tricky one because I 100% see what the end aim is here. Yeah. The end aim is just for everyone to know if something has been got, has something has been received for free, um, there's like an invested interest because you're in a year-long contract with that brand or, or yeah. you've been sent it. Like I 100% understand the end goal. I think it's still in a place that, like you said, I think, is it being negotiated, like renegotiated? So, yeah, they're, they're putting together, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but we'll find out when the podcast goes up. They're putting together a board of advisors and yeah. um, in the influencer marketing industry, I assume some of them will be influencers, but a lot of them are the more behind the scenes people, people in agencies, people in management positions and all of these like weird things that support the influencer industry side. Yeah. And they're all being put into a big think tank. Oh, I think that's, that's exactly what needs to happen. And there's a lot of diversity of thought on their end as well. From what I understand, there are some of them that are like, nothing should be declared ever. And some of them that are on the complete other side of the spectrum who are like, we need to declare a lot more. So I think it will create a much fairer second, I guess, edit. There you go. <laughs> um, edit. My yeah. favourite word. <laughs> this is like, whenever I say fingers crossed and stuff, people oh, around yeah. me. I forget that I made it into a into a thing. I was going to wear my moon merch today, but it was in the mm. wash. I was very disappointed. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I think that's really interesting. And I think that's actually what needs to happen here because there is 
so many different people doing so many different things within this space and some I mean in America I know they don't put ad in the title of videos yeah which I actually now find really grating because me too I mean, it's been about five years now we've had to have ad in the title of stuff no, yeah five. maybe like four years we've but I the title as ad I think that's really important and I think where the previous guidelines were at in terms of labeling videos as sponsored I think also, there needs to be a bit of an introduction into, like, what is sponsored yes. here. Because there are different ways to work with companies. Yeah. And the ASA, the current guidelines that are out, I think, sort of miss this bit. Yeah, they personally. don't have the nuance, the understanding and the nuance in the de- declaration. I would argue. Yeah. So if I'm working with a brand on a sponsored job, there is a contract. I am contracted to do four Instagram stories and Instagram an integrated video, for example. Integrated video is if I was to like integrate mentioning a waitrose meal card yes. in a, what I eat in a day. However, it's only for one minute, 30 seconds, and yes. they're not allowed to have a, a sponsored influence on the rest of the video generally. Yeah. But obviously, they can say stuff like, oh, could you not feature loads of Tesco packaging? Yeah. But they couldn't be like can you feature three more recipes please no but but that is a sponsored job that is 100% an ad that is put ad in the title that is put ad in the description box that is put ad on the instagram stories put paid partnership on instagram stories and on the instagram that is an ad there is a brief there are key messages that need to be included that is a full-on yeah it's a full-on it's working with a brand like as full-on as you can there's different ways of doing that it's the same as having Cheryl Cole in a L'Oreal ad in a way like yeah is that real you are effectively doing a bit of a celebrity endorsement whilst also creating the content yeah exactly and that there's sign off in terms of they would watch the video before you put it live and be like yeah you got all the key messages in thank you great job awesome awesome and there's different ways of doing that there's different you said not not, not always, always awesome, a great awesome. job awesome. <laughs> but let's for, for yeah. the example here you know thanks waitrose this is oh my god can you imagine this oh is not god. sponsored i actually love waitrose i think they're wonderful but but there's lots of different ways to do that kind of piece of work there's different deliverables you could have a whole sponsored video where it's not integrated it's a fully sponsored video and that would be like a 10 minute video of me making three waitress recipes for example 100 yeah, percent. and also that's obviously more sponsored in a way I don't yeah know. but it still it has the same yeah. thing it's still going to have ad all over it yeah where i think the tricky from what i've read and understand maybe my understanding i need to kind of disclaim like maybe my understanding of the new sa asa regulations isn't correct so they, they, we all agree on that. Like, that is an ad, fair dues, there's contract, there's money exchange, that's one thing. That's a job. That is an ad, fair enough. That is hashtag spawn. Where I think the issue comes with the new guidelines is of the freebies. Yeah, I think freebies and affiliate, declaring affiliate links as ads. Which to me, an affiliate link I wouldn't personally class as an ad because although there is money made from it, not that um, is taken out of the reader's pocket in any way, shape or form. No. Um, although there is money made out of it, it isn't, it, the, the brand isn't making me do that. There are no. no key messages involved. There is not a contract. There is not a brief. It's and I just... could happily not promote that thing or choose to promote that thing if I like it. Yeah, it's just like, oh, this is an and other story jumper. yeah. It's a way of making money out of your own curation. But I do think, yeah, now I've 
come around to the idea of it, I do think we should be declaring it more. Agreed. I've like really changed my how I'm personally yeah. declaring it, and I want to say if it's, a spot, if it's an affiliate link, if I'm doing a swipe up on Instagram and it's an affiliate link, I will now add affiliate link because I'm yeah. like I just want to be super open and super yeah. transparent with people. I don't think it should be an ad though. No, it's not exactly. an ad. No, exactly. It's an affiliate link. Yeah, like if I don't want to post it, I won't post it. If I actually think it's nice, yeah, I'll post it. But then maybe we have a arguably some people might argue. It's like, oh, it's all great and good, you nice, integrity-filled bloggers. But there are some people who, let's say, have less integrity and they do these big misguided hauls and then everything's affiliate and then they return everything and then are they profiting off the naivety of the audience, potentially? Not for hashtag ad, but, um, like, at what point is it, like, us being like, oh, like, we just post stuff we like. Where do you draw the line? That is such a hard question. Yeah. Not that I'm trying to be the Piers Morgan of this. I'm not remotely. Oh my God, Piers, <laughs> naughty. Um, no, I, th- I think you're right. Like that's, that's a whole different question around, like we agree that that doesn't need to be an ad in my eyes. It's not yeah. an ad, but it should be labeled as, with affiliate links in the but, description box. Yeah. But that is a whole different thing about authenticity in our industry. I feel like there yeah. are good eggs, there are bad eggs. But how do you know who the bad eggs are well, as a this viewer? Is what we're discussing today. <laughs> I really can you trust any of us? I don't know. Well, that's, <laughs> well, no, that's kind of the question, though, isn't it? Well, kind of. But like, do you know what though? I when you messaged me and you were like, I think we should talk about authenticity and, and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. I thought actually the big conversation is around sharing. And there's, Ooh. have you listened to the Hilo episode on this? No, I haven't. I've only listened to a couple. There was a Hilo, or actually Pandora, um, sorry, we're jumping all around the place yeah. here, guys. <laughs> the Hilo is a podcast by Dolly Alderton and Pandora Sykes. Yeah, Pandora Sykes did an amazing piece for Man Repeller that was basically oh, saying, just because I don't share the negative parts of my life, it doesn't mean that I'm authentic. I'm not authentic. Yeah. And I think there's a big conversation around that of if you're just positive online, yeah. people think you're not being authentic. Whereas actually, you are being authentic. You just don't want to share your shit online. (laughs) Yeah, I think this was the real... When I transitioned from talking about my life as being the soul, the main bit of my content was like life and opinions. And like, I realised that's not that sustainable for me. Because I'm like giving so much of myself when really it's much nicer to be more of an editorial voice when you have to produce stuff twice every week or once every week. Yeah. There were lots of people who were like, you in the comments who were like, you seem, they were implying I was less real to them now. Like I'd got really facile and really like really empty headed Mm. from the fact that I was talking about stuff more than, or like things like lifestyle elements more than I was talking about, you know, my life personally and things I was struggling with. And I was saying this to you earlier, even now I get requests of like, can you make this really, this video about this really draining, difficult topic? just because I want it and I'm like no (laughs) like I'd much rather make stuff that I was watching and I was enjoying that I can also put on my channel but there's this real lack of nuance at least in my comments about the discussions of obviously there's loads of supportive people but also lots of people who are like we don't get it how can you be these two things it's hard though because I feel like online and actually you do need to feel like who you are watching is authentic because that also leads into what you were saying earlier about the affiliate links and people returning stuff back like 
you just want to feel connected to the person yeah. that you're watching and I can understand people's need for needing to see the positive and the negative like to see all aspects of their life in order to feel that but I think it was such an interesting article I really highly recommend that everyone goes to read it because I was like nothing has ever demonstrated how I feel about sharing my life online as articulately as that article did oh my god that's so interesting it was it was just basically saying like I put online what I can handle criticism on and anything that I can't handle criticism on or I don't want the opinion yeah of 50 people on I do not share online oh my god that's literally but then but then you get that's so interesting because you I from my personal experience no matter what I put online I will get some negative I will get some criticism that's more negative than it is constructive no matter what I put online so it's like where do where does one draw the line on that stuff as well? So I guess it's, yeah, it's what you can handle people commenting negatively on. That's so true. That's the most true thing I've yeah. heard in so long. Because I don't, I never feel like I'm being, until maybe last year, actually. Do you ever, well, I'll ask you this question more than I'll say it myself. <laughs> Do you feel like you purposefully make a, a go through a selection process when deciding what to put online? Or do you think it's very natural? And do you think that naturalness is an element of authenticity, I guess? I feel like there's a naturalness in that I don't feel like there's an agenda of what I share and what I don't share. Mm. But I feel like I have a filter after all of these years of doing it. I have a real gut reaction. Whoop! Like, yes, that's something I want to share. No, that's something I don't want to share. I feel like that's a very, like, learned thing through this process. And so I can... (laughs) It's a really interesting one with Instagram in particular and this need for authenticity because actually I don't really much fancy a photo of me in my pajamas when I've got greasy hair and I just am having one of those days where I'm like oh I just need to do work and like is that authenticity though do you have to present yourself as like a raw form in inverted commas visually because to me that isn't what I think of when I think of authenticity right but I because that because I think a lot of people are the same as you especially in my audience it's like so yeah, people will comment and stuff like, "Why, why do you wear so much makeup now?" Or like, really? They, what, what, they so want to see a no makeup. They want to so see a no less. makeup selfie. Yeah, well, not even. It's more like um, I miss when you talked about the fact that you weren't wearing makeup that day and you were feeling shit. And to me, that's not being that authentic. Even though when I was younger, I did see that as authenticity was like, it's like the Lady Gaga Bradley Cooper controversy when he made her take all her makeup off in the audition. Oh, I love this new episode about real. that. He sees that as like a real woman because he yeah. stripped her of her mask whereas that's not why people wear makeup yeah I think I think that's a really interesting debate like what is what is authenticity yeah because to me it's being real not necessarily being like it's being honest but that doesn't mean you have to reveal everything but I don't think anyone online is showing 100% of themselves no definitely you, not. you, you physically can't mm. <laughs> I think you can show a lot of yourself. I think yeah. a lot of us have pushed the boundaries with that, with YouTube specifically as a format. I yeah. wouldn't say elsewhere. No. Maybe Instagram, but I think YouTube lends itself because of the upload schedule that the, the algorithm promotes. And yeah. Because of all of that, if you can upload every day and show this like real life you, mm. which is obviously going to have bad days, I think people toe the line. I think they show like a good 80%, some of them especially daily vloggers. But for me, 
I probably got to like, I would say 70% and lost my sanity. <laughs> so like, and like, that's why people have breakdowns. Yeah. Do you keep reading about the whole like YouTube breakdown thing? Oh, the like YouTubers the have made out. a jail for Burn themselves. Out. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yes. I saw like a line. It's like, they've made a prison for themselves and they can't get out. Yes, yeah. I have. I, I just think it's a really interesting, I, I think the whole kind of space is, is very interesting and it's having a real shift at the moment and I think yeah. you were right to bring up the ASA stuff because I think that's an outsider body trying to bring some kind of control yeah trying to legislate yeah and bring some kind of like leveling to all of this so that it is an mm. even playing field especially when it comes to advertising which has become a big part of what we do online and there's this real tangled relationship between yeah. advertising and authenticity and it is kind of unmangling those two things and putting like you said some legislation in place so that readers and viewers and everyone knows what they're what they're digesting yeah when it comes to who is authentic online for me what people I follow it's such you I feel like it's just such a gut reaction thing yeah. again don't I'm you think exactly the same but then I think there are certain things that subconsciously actually put me off someone even if I think you know like oh, they're so real. Like, if someone does slightly too many ads, yeah. even if I don't register it as, oh, that's too many ads, I notice myself switching off slightly. Because I think, I do think in some way when money gets involved, and I never thought this until I started working in this, like, world where it's like, I think a lot of the time when we work with brands, there is a strong brand voice that they ask to come through and your, my copy gets modified, like, twice by me. But, you know, I'm asked to bring in more stuff and make it more this and make it more that. Have you put this talking point in? You know, make it a little <laughs> bit more more full and brand voicing. Yeah. So I think when I see more financially driven stuff that I know because of the job is financially driven as opposed to like um, really, you know, I would not say affiliate links are to, people don't use affiliate links just to sell clothes. I think they use them as a perk because they like the clothes. They can show you the clothes. And then if you want to buy it, that's cool. But you don't have to. I think there's some people out there that use it as a business strategy. And it's a large piece of their pie in terms of really? their earnings. That's so interesting. Um, especially in the fashion world. like yeah. Because also, no, I, I don't really... I, to be fair, actually, I do, I do buy makeup online. Because <laughs> I just... I'm yeah. not, I don't live in London. There's actually quite a lot of brands that we can't get down here. So I do actually buy quite a lot of makeup online but I'm more likely to buy a jumper online yeah. than I am to buy a jumper in store. I'm more I'm more likely to buy a lipstick in person than I am to buy it online. So I think for people in the fashion world especially, it's a lucrative part of the business. But you know what? That's fine. There's nothing yeah. wrong. There's also like nothing wrong with that. Like girls got to earn a living some way. Like good for you if, if that's what it is. I think like you said, as long as you're like, I would personally... Um, I do blog posts quite often of like high street edits of like my favourite coats or something. Yeah. I'm never linking up a coat that I wouldn't actually buy myself. It takes yeah. me hours. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sitting there for hours. I'm on Mango. I'm on ASOS. I'm on Topshop. I'm on all these brands looking and I'm like, oh, okay, well, actually, I probably wouldn't. That one's a bit too red. I probably wouldn't buy that. Like, yeah. And I'm genuinely finding edits because people. And you're doing it at different price ranges as well. Yeah, that's a... I, I just hope that people who read and consume my stuff, like, I know with people who I follow, I, I want to know, I like their taste. 
not necessarily I wouldn't want their exact same wardrobe but if they're like oh actually I really like this coat I'm like oh god I love it I love that coat too <laughs> and with certain things as well like people always ask me where my earrings are from and I'm like great I can always tell you that it's always mango or weekday pretty yeah. much yeah but like there will be people that only follow me because they think my earrings are interesting ironically I'm wearing none today damn but, it girl <laughs> I really yours actually where are these from Oh, these are from a brand called Laura Lombardi, and I bought them Ooh. because I saw um, Lizzie Hadfield. <gasps> there we go. There you go. It's, it's real life influencing. It happens, people. Um, I saw Lizzie, and I was like, Lizzie, your earrings are amazing. And she was like, oh, they're so good, because they're these massive, I'm wearing these like massive gold hoops. They're really thick, and they're really big. Um, and she was like, they're really good, because they haven't got an inner Oh, so they're really light. So they're really light. Oh, that's so They're good. not very heavy. Um, and she, like, got them out of her ears, and I, like, tested them, and I was like, oh, they are, they're really light. Next day, I bought them, and I bought them through one of her affiliate links, because yeah. I was like, thank you so much for that, like, otherwise I wouldn't have found them. And so, actually, it's just an on-platform way of what's happening in real life anyway. Yeah, no, exactly, and it's a way of, as well, I don't know how much you know about stuff like Patreon, but I think... It's like a different way of monetizing an audience without actually taking money from them. So there are some ways which influencers monetize, like merchandise, for example, or yeah. like um, or Patreon's a little bit different. But what you're doing is you're buying a service. Patreon is a way of donating a certain amount a month to a creator to support what they do. So but you get stuff back for it, don't you? You get, you get like yeah, you bumps. kind of do. You get like little treats. But some people will say actively, I, I don't offer any perks for you donating you're just getting my stuff because I can't afford to make it unless you you donate like the Guardian website they're like can yeah. you make a little donation exactly Fair it's days. like that and for me and merchandise as well can be for some people like their main money earner um, and I guess in return someone gets a coat a coat yeah no no one gets no one makes <laughs> coats as merchandise what I'm talking about a jumper a t-shirt a tote but there's you know for me personally I don't feel comfortable using a Patreon to make money because it doesn't I don't know I always want my content to be as free as possible and I think the same about music I think the same about you know I think it's much nicer to pay a subscription fee for music than buy each album individually and so I want to offer the cheapest option for people to consume everything I make yeah which makes affiliate links make way more sense than patreon or putting a paywall on something but don't you think with the whole thing to do with that um, authenticity and this whole advertising thing and the ASA and you know that we need to be disclaiming more that's just like the yeah. oh, kind of 100%. ultimate 100%. conclusion of that conversation um, but I would I want to support people that make content for free that I consume daily like yeah, I listen to people's podcasts like they cost money to make and run and time and the yeah. same with videos like and people with ad blocker I'm always like I, I see people not directly talk about like oh yeah I've got like uh my friend who's amazing she did she retweeted this this one guy was like I've put ad blocker on my YouTube so I don't have to see the Adidas advert with the sunflower in it and I was like god you absolute prick like just let the girl make some damn money we watch the TV and we watch it with adverts yeah so why do we care so much about people making money out of something that we're all we're all just taking for free that video that that person that you've put the ad block on now to avoid an advert is at the detriment of the content you were trying to watch yeah like yeah i don't understand it i just i just don't 
But that's why, it's what we were, talk- we were actually talking about this earlier, like, there is so much power in the unfollow button. Yeah. If you feel like something, someone is being unauthentic, you feel like they're not disclaiming, you feel like you no longer want to support their stuff, that's fine. Yeah. Like, not everyone is everyone's cup of tea. That is completely exactly. cool. And so, there is power in the unfollow. You unfollow, you are no longer supporting that person, you are no longer being served their affiliate links or their sponsored content, whatever it is, and it's gone. Like you don't need, and you don't need to consume that anymore. That is completely, completely fine. I always do like, I say like every like six months to a year, maybe like a um, nine month intervals, I do a big purge and I'm like, because it's just nice to have a clear thing. And I end up following people I didn't mean to, or people that have really hardcore political agendas. That's the kind of thing I can't really stand. Like I can't really stand. I find really, really hard is <laughs> people with strong political agendas on like my social media. Uh, so I guess that's the equivalent for some people of affiliate links. Exactly. And it's all, I met a mother of daughters recently and she was just so awesome and so cool. And she was basically saying like, we need to curate our feeds. We're spending yeah. so long on Instagram and um, the new iOS update that shows your screen time on your phone Ooh. <laughs> um, Ooh, told no. me that I'd spent like nine hours on Instagram last week or something. I was like, oh my God, that's a whole working day. That's, I wish like, I wish we could distinguish between what is like work on Instagram and what's not, because obviously a lot of it's scrolling. But for me, I feel like I spend so much time doing like stories and random the, the kind of sponsor you Anna's giving me a face that basically says I'm spending a lot of time just scrolling I've discovered the explore page that is just feeding me you, all kinds of shit I hate the explore page I never I go on it because it. it's just awful mine is all like random shit so my this is a funny a funny tangent in a way my boyfriend is using a phone I got in a sponsored thing I had to turn on the phone when I did the spawn and sign it up to my Google account to make it work because it's an Android. And um, yeah, so he sees all of my search history, but also his search history is now contributing to my what comes up on my shit, like in general. Oh, interesting. So, so obviously my phone must be logged into my like YouTube stuff and my emails. So all of that search history is going into my Instagram as well. So I'm getting like skiing I'm getting like what else does he watch risk like you know people jumping off big cliffs and things you know where they do the thing where they look at the camera and go huh like it's going to be really <laughs> scary because they've definitely not done it a hundred times before and then dive off a huge cliff honestly I've got no patience for it and then dogs but I, I watch oh no see mine isn't that mine's feeding me a lot of like um the cute Kardashian babies that are like all the same I'm age. so many Kardashian babies right yeah now. like also so many awfully there are so many comments on the Kardashian, those three babies, the new ones, the new ones—they don't understand how genetics work because they're like, yeah. "Oh, this one's like so much more black," and it's like, "Yes, that's alleles and dominant and recessive things." Surely, there anyway, you go, honey. it just makes me really annoyed because I'm like, "Don't make racist comments, please." Yeah. Also, <laughs> like, why are we discussing like how cute babies are? Is a real thing, and like poor Chloe's—they're like, "Oh, <sighs> Chloe's isn't as cute as the other two. I'm like, that is so rude. That's she's just so a baby, rude. and also. It's all like what's the word subjective. So they all. Ba- I'm sorry, all, all these babies are adorable, and I'm I don't mind that being said yeah. on my school page. I'm like these babies yeah, look fine. absolutely so cute. Do you get um, all the really weird viral like um, like emotional ones? I get a lot of that as well. Like this man saw his dog ten years after he went oh, to the war or something. And you get that? There were obviously someone on my Twitter that's retweeting those kinds of things. Mm. It's like. A man from the army is reunited with his dog after 10 years. <laughs> that to me is that 
every Facebook video to me is the proper time waster of like, yeah. I hate them, I won't even watch them. Yeah, Fa- Facebook, yeah, I'm not having as great time with Facebook at no. the moment. But, but Instagram is yeah. obviously um, <laughs> taking up a lot of my day, a lot of my day. And I think it's just about curating it to a place where you, maybe you do want to spend nine hours on your Instagram because it's so great. Like, I, mm. I feel like I've got really good people that I follow that make me really happy and I'm engaging with them and like find myself liking so many of these photos because I'm just like oh they're my friends it's great it's so lovely and and like um, when I was chatting to Clemmy from Mother of Daughters she was just saying this we are spending so much time on this so weed out the bad eggs like what are you doing following these accounts that you don't feel are authentic that aren't disclaiming to you properly that quite frankly pissing you off yeah then walk away yeah. and curate this feed that when you scroll through it, if it is the first thing you're seeing in the morning, at least it's like bringing you joy. It's bringing you happiness. And you're like, yeah, this is if this is what I need to do to wake up in the morning and get up and get out of bed, have a little scroll before I do, there's no problem with that. I've tried the meditation thing. I fall back asleep, quite <laughs> frankly. I need a bit of blue light in my face in the morning. And that's that's what gets me up. And that's completely fine. But I, I you, it needs to be in a space where it's serving you and it makes you feel good. Yeah, 100%. I concur. I feel like we've done quite a good oh meander. My, I think we've we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah. I, I would love to hear you do an episode with like someone who's in the ASA or something. I would love to have like a dedicated episode on that. I think it would be so, so, so interesting. So you're not the first person to say that, but I've always thought of it as like, it sounds like when influencers meet them, they hit a brick wall. So I might ask, but also I think it would have to be, it's like a government body, isn't it? So it would have to be, they have to tow government line on stuff. And I wonder if that would, we'll, we'll find out. We'll update you. Might email the ASA. Like like a mole. If there's like a mole or someone who could do an inside job, I think it would be, I think there's a real, a real big conversation to talk about around that big time. I I just want to ask the people who wrote it, do you use Instagram? That's my main (laughs) question because I've read it. Have you seen how it works on Instagram? I read it and I was like, to be honest, I don't think, it's like, again, it's like I was saying there's a certain brand that designs trousers like they, they've never met a woman. It's like an alien's yeah. designed the trousers and they've yeah. never seen a woman. They've just heard about them. Yeah. We I both struggle like, with these trousers. Yeah. Yes. I feel you. I feel like the ASA is designing legislation from what they've heard about bloggers and vloggers and influencers, but they, none of the people within the ASA actually use any of the services or follow any of the people. Yeah. That's what it feels like when I read it. But also, final mention of something because I've just remembered it. I do feel like the real cherry on the cake is the fact that celebrities don't have the same legislation and nor do magazines. And for me, some people argue magazines have editorial guidelines which guides it, but like magazines are sent nearly everything they feature, at least in the UK. And and the kind of, the people, the, the magazines that are covering the same ground as the influencers, the fashion and beauty influencers at least. And celebrities are sent nearly everything. <laughs> like, why... Are we all, why are we having to disclaim in a separate way to them? I feel like legislation or guidelines should be universal, personally. Literally, I was like making a, oh my God face when you were saying all of that, because I feel exactly the same way. I think, like you said, it needs to, we not, we don't need to be this community that's like put to the side and like slap yeah. our wrists and like oh told God. off. Yeah. When there is a lot of us who are honestly just trying our best. We are yeah. not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes, like... If I've messed up and I haven't put that something was an affiliate link and it is, 
I haven't done that on purpose. I've yeah. done that because it's a bit of an effort, but I've forgotten. Yeah. Like, there's and a like, lot of people out there that are just trying their best yeah. with this. And it's also, it's not just the ASA as well. There's a lot of government, not even government organisations, but organisations that genuinely think that we're out there to, like, steal children's money and scheme and stuff. And, like, yeah. even with accountancy, like, a lot of, like, pretty much, not every influencer, obviously that would be impossible, but, like, um, HMRC always pull aside um, influencers' tax returns and stuff and scour them to try and catch them out and all of this stuff. So I think it's like, guys, we're, we're not just trying, trying to provide to a bit of tax. light. Like, just trying to provide a bit of light entertainment, people. I love really. Tax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take all my money. Pay it. Yeah. No, I, I think it's an, an interesting, an interesting debate, and I think things will things will change over the next couple of years. I think already when you think about bloggers and how we're looked upon as an industry um i think that has the respect has really increased over the yeah. last couple of years it's so think what another radical. five years can do yeah 100 percent. okay that's where we end no more slapping of the wrist which un- unless you are really are not disclaiming stuff oh then yeah you're not, then you're a naughty nancy yeah. and you need buying it. followers that was a whole conversation for another time oh but, next ooh. episode with lucy moon <laughs> who the fuck is buying followers no. <laughs> Thanks so much, Anna. Where can we find you on your socials? You can find me at the Anna Edit on basically everything. Amazing. No, it is everything. And my book is out on the 10th of January and it's available for pre-order worldwide now. If you like anything minimal, minimalism, like but it's not minimal. It's organization not shit in general. If you're a Monica, if you're a Phoebe, there's something for everyone in there. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that chat. I love Anna. I thought our conversation was so interesting. We were slightly tired at that point. It was probably like 5pm, but still, I think we got some really good points out there. Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to follow us on your podcasting app of choice and please rate us if your podcasting app does rating and you can follow us as well on Instagram. It's at the Sunday Social Podcast. So thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week when I'm slightly less dead in the eyes. And (laughs) yeah, I'll speak to you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.